but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. We're right in the middle of a series that we started a few weeks ago. Um, It was a series uh, that has come out of a number of questions that, that you've asked we asked you to share what are some of your biggest questions, the biggest questions that you have uh, related to following Jesus, related to the Christian life, uh, related to um, just life in general. And, and uh, there were a lot of different questions that came out, but one question came out the clearest of all. Quite a number of you asked a question related to how do we hear God's voice? It was quite overwhelming, actually, the, the number of people that asked that question. And so in order to give it a little more time, uh, we did a part one last week and, and a part two and part two this week. Last week, we, we looked at how um, in order to be able to hear God's voice, we have to be able to recognize what it sounds like. We can't know God's voice unless we're familiar with the sound of his voice. And we, we talked about how in order to be familiar with the sound of God's voice, in order to recognize what his voice sounds like so we can follow it, um, we really need to attend to the voice of Jesus, particularly through the Scripture. And, and, and we, we summed it up like this. We said, the more we attend to God's Word, the more we're attuned to God's voice. And we talked a lot about that. We had a terrific discussion time at the end. And if we have time today, I'm hoping that we can, we can discuss a little bit more today. We, we need to be familiar with the voice of God, and the, the best way to do that is to faithfully engage the Scripture. Well, this week we're going to push a little further and ask, okay, how do we actually follow the voice of God? You know, we're, we're taking in God's Word, we're becoming more familiar with the sound of God's voice, we're, we're, we're somehow working the plan, we even talked last week about kind of figuring out a bit of a plan for how we're going to engage Scripture, and uh, we're, we're talking about it with friends, and we're becoming more and more familiar with the voice of God. Well, what do we do now? How do we respond when God speaks? How do we actually go about following uh, his voice? You know, the Bible says in the passage that Glenna read for us that as God's children, we all have God's spirit living within us. And when Jesus becomes the leader of our lives, when we've said, Jesus, I now trust my life to you. I, I understand that when you came and you lived, you, you became one of us and you, you lived this perfect life and you did that for me. 
And that when you died, you died for me. And that when you rose again, you rose for me. And, and I want you to lead in my life. I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my master. And that when that happens, that God comes and lives inside of us. That's what that scripture talked about. And that because the spirit lives inside of us, everything changes. The way that we live changes. Um, Galatians 5.25 says, puts it this way, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that, you could probably sum up the New Testament position on ethics, like how we should live in relationship, how we should live morally, with that sentence. Because we have God's Spirit, everything changes. Because we have God's Spirit in us, we now let God lead in every area of our lives. And we need to to be about that, living as new creations, living by the Spirit. But here's the challenge. Often, when we want to hear God's voice, it's because there's a specific area in our lives that we need direction, right? Like maybe you've been in a dead-end job and you're beginning to think, this is stupid. I don't want to be in this job. God, I need your direction in my life. I want to, you know, should I quit my job? Should I, should I look for something else? Should I go back for more training and try something different? God, I need direction in my life for my work. Or maybe, maybe you are facing a financial decision. Maybe the old clunker is finally going to give up. And you have to decide, am I going to go into debt and, and buy a fancy car? Or am I, am I going to, am I going to do this thing? Or I'm, I'm just going to bum off friends for a while. You know, what am I going to do here? Uh, and, and so you're wondering, God, I need some direction on this maybe financial decision. Or maybe it's a relationship direction you need. You know, should I really marry this girl? Or should I run away from this guy? You know, God, I need your direction in that. Maybe it's a schooling question. Maybe, maybe you're at a space in life where you're, you're wondering what the next phase is. Maybe you're done high school. Maybe you're done university and you're wondering, should I go on for more schooling? Or where should I go to university? Where should I go to college? Should I go to trade school? Should I just go and get a job? Like, what should I do? And we look for direction from God in these areas of our lives, these specific areas where we need it. And we hope that God can give it to us. Sometimes it's not so much direction we need, as much as we need God to provide a solution. Because there's an area in our lives that, you know, something's going or has gone really wrong. You know, maybe your marriage is spiraling downward and you don't know how to pull it up. You know, maybe, maybe you're, you've just had a fight with your boss and you're thinking, man, my time is getting uh, close to the end here and, and, and I need God, I need you to step in and fix this. I need you to speak, I need you to, to do something. Or maybe it's that your connection with your kids seems to be slipping. That, that you feel like you're, you're losing your relationship with these little ones that are getting bigger and you're wondering, like, how do I do that, God? I need to hear your, need to hear your voice. Or maybe you're just feeling really low and defeated in life, just exhausted with, with life as it is, and you're, you're needing God to intervene. You're needing God to step in, and you, you want to hear God's voice to know, like, what, what are you saying, God? What, what should I do? I need to hear your voice. I need help. And I think all of us can empathize with that to some degree. We've either been there, uh, we're, we're in that spot right now, or, or maybe we have friends and family who are there who are needing direction or needing a solution and wanting to hear, wanting to hear God's voice. Well, I've got some good news, and I've got some hard news. The good news first, okay? The good news is that God actually wants you to know His will. That's, I think that's good news. That God's not holding out, He's not playing hide and seek. That He wants you to know his will. He also wants to give us direction for our lives. That, I think, too, is good news. He wants to make a difference in our lives, a real lasting difference. 
in, in our lives. That's the good news. But the hard news is this. The, 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 the hard part of that, the part that makes us want to pull back a bit, is that God wants to, us to know his will for all of our lives. That he wants to give us direction on everything we do. That God wants to make a difference in every aspect of our lives without exception. And that can be a bit frightening. That can make us want to pull back. Here's where we need to land today. We can't receive direction from God if we've never actually allowed Him to lead in our lives in the first place. Okay? We can't receive direction if we've never given Him leadership. Leadership comes before direction. So when I was thinking about this question, how do I hear God's voice, I will tell you that where I thought we were going to go is some practical, I think, helpful steps around what is a process of discernment. What does that look like? To have a process where we can kind of follow a thoughtful process where we can make good, wise decisions, spirit-led decisions in our lives. And I actually think that might be really helpful for some of you. And if you're in that place in life, there's some really great stuff out there. The book that I recommended in in the bulletin today, which Sharon has beat you to it if you want to borrow it, but you have to now bug Sharon about borrowing the book off her. Um, uh, Sharon Brennan, give a wave. Sharon has that book. And, and, uh, but that book outlines great, terrific stuff in there about a discernment process. And I thought that's where we were going to go today. But as I reflected on it, I realized that our, our hearing problem, like the, the question of like, how do I hear and how do I follow, has less to do with a checklist and more to do with a heart check. Okay. Checklists are helpful. I I get that. It's not really a checklist. But, you know, a process to walk through is very, very helpful. But first, we've got to do a heart check. We've got to do a heart check. I think that might have been what God was getting at when he inspired Paul to write some words at the start of Romans chapter 12. Very uh, famous set of verses. If you've been around church circles, you've heard this lots before. If you're new... um, you can know that this is fairly, fairly common, fairly, fairly well-known verses. Paul said in this, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, that there is a way that we can learn to know God's will for us, for you. His good and pleasing and perfect will. But that it only comes after we have given God permission to lead in every area of our lives. And that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to walk, walk, walk through that. Let's just walk through these first couple of verses in Romans chapter 12. Paul was a church planter. He wrote it to a church, uh, the church in Rome that he had never met yet. Okay, And he's trying to encourage them to be faithful followers of Jesus right in the seat of imperial power where, as you can imagine, if you know a little bit of history, wasn't always the easiest thing to do. Here's how he starts off in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. Here's the picture. Jesus gave all of himself for us. And so the response is that we give all of ourselves in return. And specifically, even the use of the word bodies, you remember that Jesus ultimately paid the sacrifice for us by giving up his body. That he laid himself down. He, be, he became flesh. You know, he got a body. He was human like you and I. And he lived this perfect life. And he offered himself on the altar this, like a sacrifice. That's the image that's being used here. He offered all of himself to us. And so when we recognize that, we recognize that, well, the only reasonable thing to do is to offer ourselves back to God. And so this worship becomes this, 
you're recognizing, God, all that you did for me, all that you did in Jesus, the sin that you wiped away, the purpose that you've given my life, the fact that you actually have come to live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. This is so amazing. This is so mind-blowing that the only response that makes sense is that I offer myself back to you. That I offer myself up to you as a, a holy and a living sacrifice. Out of recognition of God's extravagant gift, you say, well, I know it might not be much, but it's all I have. I offer it back to you. You are worth so much more, but I can only give you who I am. Well, what does that mean for us? I was thinking about that, how for all of us, there's different areas of our lives, and it's represented here in this, uh, well, display. There's so many areas in our lives. It's easy for us when we begin to think about um, following Jesus to think, you know, there's a few key areas. We want Jesus to take the spirituality box and, and, and do something with it. And for some of us, this is kind of what we think Jesus is concerned about. And, and this is what Jesus, you know, this is why I come and plug in for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That, that it's, I, I'm doing my spirituality thing. We could maybe think that. Or, or maybe there's other areas of our lives where, where we recognize, I need God to, to intervene. I need God to, to help. I, uh, maybe, maybe I really am having trouble in my work. Or, or maybe, maybe I'm, I'm really having financial problems. Or I'm wondering about money. Or maybe my, my family is messed up. There can be different areas of our lives. And what, what we're being called to do here in, in Romans 12 is to put it all on the table. To say, you know, everything that makes me, me. Whether it's something that shames me, whether it's something that defines me, whether it's something that I'm proud about, whether it's something that I'm insecure about, whether it's something that everyone knows is really obvious, or whether it's something that no one knows about. That I offer it all to God, without exception. And, and, and this is, it's like, it's me crawling up on the table. You know, it's, it's me crawling up on the altar. That's why it's called a living sacrifice. And I'm setting it apart for God. I'm saying, God, I'm yours. It's yours. My life is yours. And that is the meaning of the word holy, to be set apart. And God, take me. All of me. But here's the problem. Again, sometimes we come to God because we need direction in a certain area of our life. Like maybe we really need help with, a, with an addiction that we're struggling with. Or, or maybe, maybe there is something about, about my perfectionism or my family or, 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 or my past that I, that I want God's direction on. And it comes back to that first question. How am I ever going to get God's direction or hear God's voice in this area of my life if I've never actually let Him lead in that area in the first place? If I've never said, God, my family is yours. God, my work is yours. God, my home is yours. My attitudes, whether it's cynicism or whether it's hopes and dreams, they're yours. How are we ever going to receive God's direction or hear God's voice speaking into our lives if we've never let Him lead in that area in the first place? And that's the call here in Romans. Say, we need to give it all to God. All of it, without exception, to let Him lead. But then, this is even more difficult Because I think sometimes where we want God to speak into our lives is not the place He wants to speak. So what if I really want God's vision for my work? I really want to know, God, what do you want me to do with my work? Because the job isn't working and it doesn't fit me right. And and, and what do I do about that? When really God's been trying to address my cynicism, which has been infecting my whole entire life. That every job I've ever gone to sucks. Because it's the cynicism that needs to be altered. That God can't really address my work situation until He deals with an inner attitude that I've been carrying. Right? 
See what I'm saying? That maybe there's an area in my life where I'm saying, God, I need you to deal with my health. But I haven't been willing to let him deal with my addictions. And we could go on like that and recognize that sometimes the thing that we want God to speak in, God's saying, well, great, I'd like to speak into that too, but there's a whole bunch of other areas in your life where I feel are more basic and I have this vision for your life, but if you won't give me leadership in that area, if you won't let me lead in your life, I, I can't really do for you what I long to do for you. If we want to experience God's leading in our lives, if we want to really hear His voice, then we have to start here by giving Him all of ourselves, our whole life, without exception, given over to God. I think we will only hear God's voice in our lives to the extent that we're willing to offer our lives in worship to Him. The more we offer in worship, the more we will receive direction, the more we will hear God's voice. But what happens when we begin to do this? What happens when we begin to identify the areas in my life I've been holding out on? The areas that I, I realize, man, I, I've said, God, you can have these six areas and the rest, really, you can leave alone. They're just fine, thank you. What happens when we begin to give over these areas of our lives to God, where we actually truly give Him everything? We begin to identify the areas that we've been holding out on and begin giving them. Well, I believe, this is what says next, that God actually starts getting into those areas and making real change. He starts to transform us from the inside out. Read what Paul says now in verse chapter 2, or verse 12, chapter 2. Chapter 12, verse 2, sorry, of Romans. The next verse. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We're surrounded with competing visions for what your good life should look like, right? We're surrounded by that. Everywhere we go, someone is trying to fling a message at us that says, you deserve it. You deserve to be happy, so just go ahead and fill in the blank. You know, you, you owe it to yourself to do this. You owe it to yourself to go with that guy. You owe it to yourself to leave her. You owe it to yourself to buy that, do that, be that. You might suffer for it later, but that's okay. Go ahead and do it anyway, because It'll feel great for a while. We're suffocating. As a culture, we're suffering, suffocating under the weight of this world's vision for our lives that tell us and try to sell us a cheap imitation of the real. Telling us that we'll only be happy if, you know, you fill in the blank, I'll only be happy if I can just get that new job, I will be happy. I'll only be happy if she would stop doing that. I'll only be happy if he would just quit. I'll only be happy if... You know, all I need Jesus is 50,000 bucks and I will be happy. I'll only be happy if, when. We live in a world that's trying to sell us a vision for a life that's all about us. That's all about our comfort. That's all about our security. That's all about you. God is trying to sell us a vision too. He's trying to give us a vision for our life that's so much bigger than that. His vision for our lives is that we would become the beautiful originals that He created us to be. He's got a vision for our life that outstrips anything we could possibly imagine, that involves everything that we are. We have to be willing to let Him lead in that. He's got a vision for us that we would live as we were created to live, as loved people, as valued people, as as precious people, as people who actually have a purpose for their lives. 
This is God's vision for us. When we get uh, to the place where we're ready to give up, what, when, we, when we get to the place where we begin saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you my abilities. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, oh man, even my hobbies I'm going to give to you. I'm going to let you lead in those too and maybe even get rid of a few. You never know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you challenge heart attitudes like racism, the way that I feel about people of other ethnicities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in there too and I'm going to begin to experience your transformation. I'm going to begin to let go of some of the visions of perfectionism that I carry. And even ways I think my family should be. That God takes... that yeah, perfect. <laughs> didn't even plan that. That God takes these areas and He begins to get in. And he begins to make changes. He begins to recalibrate things. He offers healing. He changes the way we think about things. He, he takes different priorities we've had and He said, you know, I want to change that too. Now, I don't know what it is for you that God wants to change. I don't know what area it is for you that you're holding back, but this is the vision that God has that it would no longer be all these separate compartments that I've said, God, you can, you can, you can uh, talk to me about my hurt, but please don't talk to me about my sex life because I kind of like it the way it is, even if it's destroying me. That I kind of wouldn't mind you saying a few things about spirituality, but, you know, leave my trips alone. And then, oh, I didn't even mean this in light of the talk earlier, to make money the last thing I put in the box. But you know what? Sometimes it is the last thing we put in the box. But that's my life. But as God, I think, begins to take the areas of our lives, begins to work in them, begins to transform them, something changes. It's what he says there in Romans. That it's no longer just my life, but it becomes my new self being transformed by God. This is the vision that God has for us. That as we offer up our lives to God, that as we begin to experience His leadership in our lives, He does this work of transformation in us that is so deep that it really is no longer compartmentalized. It's no longer, God, you have this, but you don't have this. It now becomes a whole self given over to God where there's no area He can't touch, no area He can't lead in. And that's when This is where we finish verse 2. That it's then, and only then, that you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That it's only as we give up leadership to Jesus and let Him in to make a real transformation in our lives that we'll begin to know this good and pleasing and perfect will He has for us, which He does have for us, which He wants us to experience. That it's only as we offer it all up to Him and let Him in to transform that that will begin to happen. That's God's vision for us. Now, I did set aside a little bit of time for group discussion, for Q&A for a time for us to, 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 to visit together a little bit. And I feel, still think we have a little bit of time. So can we take a few moments? Are there questions that this raises for you? I know that this talk wasn't like ultra practical in, in the sense that it laid out really clear steps. I get that. It was more at a heart level. But it's pretty practical when it asks the question, what area of your life have you been holding back? That's, oof, that's painfully practical. But before we get to how we're going to respond... Do you have questions or thoughts or things you'd like to share? Uh, Al has a microphone uh, that's uh, for you to speak into so that we can hear 
what you're having to say and also it makes it onto the recording. Any questions or thoughts or discussion? Jordan. Um, is it on? Yep, it's on. It is? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, I think the biggest question when I hear something like this is I understand about giving everything that you have, um, but you were talking about um, addictions or whatever else. Yeah. And then I think there's a personal um, integrity that you have that especially within a Christian community, to pretend you don't deal with that because it looks unchristian. And then if you try to address that, it almost like you get shunned. So then you, you feel ashamed dealing with it. So then you become more closet. But at the second hand, if you almost praise it, it becomes a life of its own. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's actually learning to deal with, yes, this is where I am right now, but not trying to hide or actually praise your own sinful natures in a way. Uh, absolutely. And, and I, I like what you're saying there, Jordan. Like, there's areas of our lives that are ugly, okay? <laughs> sinful, like, ugly, gross stuff. I get that. And, and, and you, you know it. Um, and, and it's hard sometimes to know, like, how do I navigate that? Um, and, and there are, you know, there's levels of appropriate, right? But you do need to deal with it. And so for all of us, maybe it's just an ugly attitude. Maybe you really hate somebody. Or maybe you really, maybe you really do have a, a, a deep, dark root of, of, of prejudice that you need to deal with, or, or maybe it's an addiction, or some, you know, something that you're, you know, you need to find a way of, of grappling with that. What we do know is that when we offer it up to God and let Him begin to make a transformation, it's going to involve community. It's going to involve someone else walking with us to break the secrecy, to break the shame, to help us move forward. It's going to involve God speaking through His Word. It's going to involve prayer and healing. It's going to involve all those things. And, and you're right, Jordan. Like the concern would be uh, when we really get honest in community about the things that we really struggle with, um, will we be shunned for that? Um, can I, Terry, is it all right if I tell a little bit on you? When Terry was making this for me, thank you, Terry, um, I had written out what I wanted on this side of the box and she'd missed this word. Okay? Just, just like, like you just miss a word, right? No big deal. And she was already mostly done the box. And I said, you know, Terry, I hate to do this to you, but we've got to have that word in there, right? Because we're being transformed. It's not my new self transformed by God like it's a finished product. We are in this process of being transformed, which for some of us, due to the level of hurt, due to the level of addiction, due to the level of struggle, um, it's going to be a, a journey of being transformed. We've got to be willing to walk that with each other, to offer grace in the dark places and say, there is hope that Jesus is going to walk with us through this, that Jesus is going to lead us. We need to be able to do that with each other. And there's lots in Scripture about recognizing that uh, all of us before the foot of the cross are equal. It's not like we're, it's not like, oh, that guy's more of a sinner than me. We're all sinners in need of grace, so we need to be able to walk with each other. Other uh, questions or comments that you'd like to offer today? Bryce. Sorry, just to piggyback a little bit on Jordan there, because I, I, something that he said I thought was really key that is just, I, I don't think we're good at receiving other people's, um, what they're going through. I think we suck at it. Really. Um, and, and partially because I think when we hear it, we want to help them change it rather than just actually understanding we all have that going on and, and actually helping people in that, yeah. that struggle, yeah. um, not necessarily to help them uh, change it or maybe just understand it. Yeah. 
That's right. Thank you, what Bryce. Is, what, it, what it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, uh, next week, I was going to say it's the end of the service, but I'll toss this in right now because it connects. Uh, next week, the biggest question we're going to be addressing is, I don't even know how to form it as a big question, biggest question, but it's basically, how do we get over hurt that we've experienced at the hands of the church or the hands of Christians, okay? And I think that is an area that many people have experienced hurt. And uh, is they've come to Christians or a group of Christians or maybe they came to their church with a struggle and, and what they received was not grace and guidance and just a listening ear. What they received was condemnation, ostracization, you know. And, and so that, that hurt for some is very deep because that's what they received. That's not what God wants. It's not the kind of community he made. Um, we are all beggars in search of truth, all in need of a Savior. And so to be able to walk with each other is so so key. Amos. This kind of dovetails on what Bryce was saying. Um, but we as humans, and I would say as Christians too, um, we tend to categorize sin as well. This is a worse sin. And this is a better sin. And I know this has kind of been touched on, but um, we do this. I do this. I've had it done to me. And, you know, when God looks like you said, when we come to the foot of the cross, sin is sin. Whether it's this one or that one or the other one, whatever box you had up there, God doesn't really judge one as, well, that's a better sin. So, no, either it's sin or it's not. I think that uh, I totally agree with that in terms of, uh, like, we're all in an evil play. But we do recognize that certain sins can be more destructive than others. So we do recognize the effects of sin. I mean, if I, you know, if I come up and, let's just, if I came up and slapped you in the face, um, I sinned against you in that way. We might have a bit of an altercation. But I think we can all recognize that this is very different than shooting you. Or, or going out and, you know, really hurting someone. You know what I mean? I'm, that's maybe a dumb example, but we can recognize that there's, there can be much greater negative, disastrous effects. A child being abused versus even someone robbing a bank. These are, you know, so it's all sin and it's all, it's all bad and it's all destructive, but we can recognize there's different levels of destruction. Some of that we've experienced, right? People did abuse us. And, and that, the level of pain and hurt that that did in our lives, we are, we are barely recovering from it. And we need Jesus more than ever to get into that place in our lives and to restore what's been broken. We all recognize that. Uh, but part of the key is coming and seeing that, yeah, we all are sinners in need of a Savior. We all need grace. Can we offer that grace to each other? Terry, over here, Al. Yeah. Um, one thing that we, when I was part of the journey group, um, we listened to each other's stories and we listened to each other's sins uh, that we all carried. And because we learned, um, we start seeing these people as, as family, friends. Um, you know, we care. Um, we, as we heard the stories of their past and, and what they're struggling through today, um, that put down our judgment. And uh, we just embraced one another. And I think that's, you know, that's coming over those hurdles. Absolutely. One of the most beautiful things out of the journey, those of us who participated in the journey last year, it was a year-long small group, was hearing each other's stories. And uh, wow, does that ever take away any kind of condemnation or judgment when you hear the story. Um, that's beautiful, and I, we want to keep encouraging that. Um, we'll wrap it up pretty soon. Is there any other kind of comment or question that you'd like to make? Dean. Dean. 
over here. The thing I find confusing is kind of more the gray areas. Like yeah. the, uh, you know, like obviously if you've got a problem with racism, yeah, God's going to want to work on that <laughs> and get rid of it. Yeah. But um, like the, the hobbies, yeah. you know, like on one hand you can look at it as a, it's a totally worldly thing and you don't need it. But in a way it's get a, a great way to get out and engage with other people. Right. And, and, you know, you can talk yourself into anything. So I just wondering if you can comment on that. Yeah, that's great. And you're right, we can't talk ourselves into anything. <laughs> You know, I think that one of the things, and I appreciate that, Dean, is when we offer it up to God, um, that we're not necessarily knowing, like, what does that mean? Like, what is that going to... We know that God's going to get in and begin to, to work a transformation. Some of those areas you talked about, gray areas, like, I didn't put those things up there like I was suggesting things are negative. I was just trying to represent areas of our lives that we tend to not think are connected necessarily to God's kingdom, to what he wants to do in us. And, and so as we offer all of our lives to God, as we seek first the kingdom of God, as we say, my priority in life is to see uh, people loved, uh, to see lives transformed, to see uh, God's name known, to, to see his kingdom grow, that that's, that's everything about me, that, that we're going to begin to see our hobbies or our trips or our money or our, our addictions or our struggles, we're going to see them in a different light. Somehow uh, we're going to... As with a transformed mind that's being transformed and in community we're going to discuss these things, that there might be a time where God says, you know, that thing there is in the way. I mean, it's not even bad. It's just in the way. But this thing over here, and they might, in, in lots of conversations, say, say I'm looking at two hobbies. Um, it might be that, that there's not necessarily any real difference between the two, but maybe God says, you know, uh, it, maybe he ignites in us a vision for using that particular love that we have to invite people into relationship. To, to grow the connections we have. I mean, George has talked about starting a softball league uh, so that we can connect and play softball with people, right? And, uh, and, and there's beautiful ways of taking something that we love, something that we're good at, something, something that everyone enjoy, enjoys, and, and viewing it through a kingdom lens. I think that's the challenge. You're right, there are gray areas. And for some people, what, what, what one, one thing that wouldn't be good for them, wouldn't work for them, might really work for someone else. And, and so and I'm not talking about an area of, ex, of explicit sin. I'm just talking about you know, there's differences. For, for one person, uh, it would be, it'd be too difficult to, to do this or it would be too distracting. For another person, they can do it and use it for God's glory and it's great. So that's, that's another way that we, we can't be judging each other. Well, how come he's doing it and I'm, I'm not allowed? Or we, we can't be that way. We've got to let the Lord lead us in, as individuals. Um, but in those gray areas to say, okay, Lord, how are you going to use this to grow the kingdom? How are we going to use this uh, to transform lives? How are we going to use this to, so that I can experience your, your goodness in life? And when we lay everything on the altar, here, here's my, I think we'll be surprised at what we get back. And what I mean by that is, I think we'll be surprised at what God says, hey, I love this. Give her. Use it for my glory. You know, it's not, it's not like God wants us to have this terrible, awful life. God wants us to experience his creation. He wants us to experience the goodness of relationships. He wants us, wants us to experience his purpose in life. He has this beautiful vision for us. He's not holding out. When we offer it all to God, we can trust. We can trust that what he offers back is a beautiful thing. Where he leads us is a beautiful thing. So that's something I think we continue to have in conversation. And there will always be, I mean, money is a great example of, oh, we struggle with that one. And how do we do that well? And, and what one person thinks is okay, another person doesn't think is okay. And how can we do that with grace and in, in good conversation? Well, we keep moving forward with this vision of the kingdom in front of us and saying, well, whatever it is, we each individually need to figure out how are we going to pursue Jesus and his kingdom together.
and to do that with grace and humility. Okay, well, now we're going to get practical. And uh, this is the question I have for you. What area of your life have you been holding back? And we're talking about offering all of ourselves to God, but you and I know how it works, that usually there's an area or two that we've, we've really been hesitant to offer. And then it's kind of like the dam bursting, you know? It's kind of like removing that one log that's holding back the jam. That if we will offer that, if we will offer him our time, if we will offer him our gifts, if we will, we will offer him our family, if we will offer him our marriage, that it's like suddenly things will start moving. That it becomes not, not just symbolic, but it becomes a leader in us offering all of our lives to God. So what's the area in your life, you don't need to speak this out loud, but what's the area in your life that you've been holding back on? What is that area? And I, I, want, I want you to try to identify it. Is it your marriage? Is that an area you've not been letting God lead in? And he needs to. He wants to bring transformation to your marriage and you've got to be willing to let him lead. Is it an area of addiction? Is it in your finances? Is it, is it in your hobbies or your pleasures? Is it, is it just your independence? <laughs> that you've said, I want to do things my way and I don't really want anyone telling me what to do. Thank you very much. And is it your independence that you need to offer to God and say, God, I give you my independence and I'm going to let you lead. What is it in your life? What area is it in your life that you've been holding back? What's one area that you need to put on the altar to give to God and to let him, let him lead? So I want, to, I want to ask you to identify that and offer it to God. And we're going to do that today through communion. That as you come for communion today, that, that if there is a specific area in your life, that you would name that area to God today as you come and take communion. That you would say, God, I am offering you everything, but specifically I'm offering you this area of my life. That just as you gave all of yourself to me, I'm giving all of myself back to you. That's what we do in communion. That's what we're going to do today. And I want you to offer to God by praying that, that phrase in the Lord's Prayer, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done in my family, in my work. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my attitudes. On earth, in my life, as it is in heaven. But that's the prayer that we're offering. You're saying, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. And for some of you, you're going to say, I've tried this before. I've offered this to God before. I've tried to get this figured out before. And and that, that sense of failure can creep up and say, why are you even trying it again? I, I, I know what that's like. And God is offering, asking us to come today and say, God, I'm yours. But here's the key. Before the day is out, you've got to tell somebody about that. Even if it's ugly. Even if it's dark. Even if it's so private that, that you've never confessed it hardly to yourself. You need to tell somebody. Someone that you can trust. Someone that will keep confidence. Someone that will pray with you. Someone that will listen to you. You've got to share it with somebody. You've got to break the secrecy and break the shame with someone that you can trust. And if you cannot find anyone else, you can talk to me. Now, that may sound bad, like I'm not willing to... No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, I can't be your go-to guy, right? We need each other for this. But if you don't know anyone that you can trust, then I welcome you to come and talk to me. You've got to share it with someone 
who will then walk with you, who will listen to your story, who will pray with you. And in that act of of offering yourself to God, in that act of saying, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, as it is in heaven, ask God to speak to you in that. Ask Him to direct you towards something in, 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 in His Word. Ask Him to reveal what a next step would be to begin to experience His transformation. Maybe the next step is you need to get counseling. Maybe the next step is you need to make amends. Maybe the next step is you need to, uh, you know, uh, get honest about where you're really at and, and start writing out a few things. Maybe, maybe the next step is you need to, to, to uh, you know, pay some people back. I don't know what it is for you. But ask God to reveal, in that act of giving it over, what, God, is the next step in transformation that you want me to take by your Spirit, with your Spirit leading me? What is the next step you want me to take? And then as you do that, the challenge is that we would trust God's leadership. You know, I know some of you, you, you've identified the area already. And you're going to uh, offer it to God today. And you're even, by 3 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to tell somebody. But tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to say, what did I do? Why did I tell them that? Why did I say I would offer that? I know how that works. And if it's an area in your life that really has been a struggle to give up, guess what? It's not going to let go easily, right? So if it's an area that's really, truly worth giving up, is an area really true that God needs to come in and transform you in, well, there's going to be some hard days ahead of keeping that on the altar, of keeping it on the table, of letting God lead. And I'm asking you today that in those times when you, you struggle, in those times when you want to give up, that you trust the good leadership of Jesus who has a vision for your life that's whole, that's beautiful, that's good, to trust His leadership in your life, that He wants to lead you through, yeah, probably some dark times, but He wants to lead you through to a place where there is really freedom, there is really life. This is the vision that God has for us and it's what we respond to today in communion. You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread, right? We know the story. He took bread and He said, this is my body given for you, broken for you. And when you meet, eat it, remembering everything that I did for you, remembering how I offered my life for you. Remember? Me. And then on the same night, He took the cup after supper and He said, This cup represents my new covenant, the new covenant I'm making with you, that when I hang on that cross and my body is bleeding, that this juice, this wine, this is juice, represents my blood that was shed to to make this new covenant real. And in the past, there was lots of sacrifices and animals and stuff that was, you know, to try to cover over sin. And it, it did the job for a short term, but now Jesus has come and he is the ultimate sacrifice and he pays for it all. It's a done deal that Jesus offers himself, which enables us to be living sacrifices now. That this is offered to us. And so as Christians, as, as, as people filled with the Spirit, as followers of Jesus, we can say, okay, I remember you, Jesus, that when we come today and we take a bread and we rip off and we dip it in the juice, we're saying, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've given to us. Thank you for giving us everything. And then our act of worship is to say, I offer all of myself back to you. That I'm not holding back. And if there's an area in your life where you still feel like you are holding back, then state that. 
Say, God, I'm really struggling to give you this area. I'm giving you what I can. I'm really struggling to give you this area. I want to give you this area. Whatever it is, wherever you're at today, come and offer yourself to God and begin to experience His transformation. Let's pray. Father, there are no uh, words to describe how great you are, how wonderful you are, how amazing you are, that you, having looked on our lives and how messed up we are, that you said, I love them. I love them and I want to come and make things right. That you sent Jesus to do that. And this morning as we participate in communion, as we receive what you have offered us, and in response we worship by offering all of ourselves back to you. I pray that by your Spirit, you would touch each one of us. I pray specifically for those who are here today who know that there's an area in their lives they've been holding back on. And that today is the day where they offer it up to you and begin that first step in experiencing your transformation in their lives. I pray that you give them courage. I pray that you give them grace. I pray that you give them fellow travelers to walk with them in this journey. And I pray that all of us together would be experiencing your transforming work in our lives. We give you all the praise and glory, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Those who are offering communion today are going to come forward and I'm going to offer it to them.